right? This is what we're all, all about here at our church is the Word of God. And uh, we are going through this series, if you're with us tonight, maybe for the first time, maybe joining us by way of live stream, we on Sunday nights now, we started this last year on Wednesday nights, uh, but we are going through the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, Route 66, and we've already done the New Testament books, and so here we are, notice on the shelf, we are in the Old Testament now, and we've gone through the first section and uh, dealing with the law, and now we're in that section that's light blue up there, that's the history section. We come to First Samuel tonight, and of course, if you know the Word of God, there's First Samuel and Second Samuel, so we'll cover one tonight and one next week, and of course, next week will be special because we'll tie Second Samuel into the Lord's table next Sunday night, and it's really neat how God's been working, blending that together, and so I think next Sunday night's going to be a special, special time. But I've entitled each one of these books, and of course, the title you see for First Samuel, and you'll see this even as we get to the end of the study tonight, but First Samuel is the book of the people's king. Now again, if you know the Bible, and you know the nation of Israel, and the bent that they had, remember when we covered a couple books back, the book of Judges, how they had that secular pattern, how that they were serving God. And then they got away from God, and then God began to judge them, deal with them, and then God, they cried out, and God sent them a deliverer, and they got right with God. Well, here they are. They want to be like everyone else, all the other nations, and they want a king. And uh, we'll see some of this tonight in our study. But the name of the book, 1 Samuel, the word Samuel means heard of God. Heard of God. Now, the books, and when I say books there... Talking about First and Second Samuel, the books of Samuel, as sometimes they're referred to, they actually form one book in the Hebrew canon. Okay, and the two together contain the history of his life and times. Talking about the prophet known as Samuel. Now, the connection of the book of First Samuel with the preceding book, First Samuel, is a continuation of the life of Israel. As the Bible mentions there in the end of the book of Judges, that everybody was doing that which was right in their own eyes. Is that not true of the spirit of the day we live in? Everybody's doing that which is right in their own eyes. And so this is nothing new. It was what Israel was all about, and it's certainly what we see going on in our world today. Now, just to give you an idea, a little map here to show you uh, the the, the life of Samuel, and I'll probably have uh, Ernie help me here a little bit, but if you notice, you see some things highlighted there. Of course, the book begins where, number one, Hannah prays. Notice the word Shiloh there, and remember how she didn't have a son. She prayed and asked God for a son, and of course, Eli thought that she was drunk or had drunken early in the morning, and of course, uh, she was just pouring her heart out before God. Uh, you notice how the Bible records, go down a little bit, Ernie, there, how Samuel, uh, the son of Elkanah and Hannah, was born, and of course, Ramah, and then you see that, that uh, number three, I think, is back up there. Samuel ministered, of course, under the, the tutelage of Eli in Shiloh, and of course, God calls him. Remember the story where he's laying down, and he hears his name, he gets up, and he goes to Eli, and Eli says, I didn't call you. 
go lay back down. And he goes and lays back down. He hears his name again. He goes back to Eli. Eli says, I, I didn't call you. And he goes and he lies back down. And, uh, and so Eli told him, he said, if you hear it again, it may be God answer. <laughs> and I don't know about you in your life, but there's been times where I haven't heard an audible voice, but God has spoke to me. And I still believe God is calling people out even in the day we live in. And of course, uh, I love his response, you know, here I am, Lord, and he, he answers the call of God. Notice every year, of course, Samuel would travel, and I want you to see right here where Ernie's at, that the places that he would travel, Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, uh, this was kind of a circuit that he would travel, and uh, look at number five there, if you could pull that up. He, he then was, back up, there you go, he anointed, he secretly anointed Saul, of course Saul was, I'm uh, getting ahead of myself, but just trying to give you a visual on this map, remember how he anointed Saul king, because the people asked for a king, and then the next thing you see, number six, there you, uh, a little bit more, over there, and Samuel secretly then, because of Saul, because of what he did, he then anoints David, remember how he goes, and Jesse, and he says, is this all your sons? And he says, well, I have one more son. Anybody remember what his name? David, all right? And again, remember this morning, the message, uh, David was probably the most unlikely of the sons of Jesse, but God said, that's the one. And so we find that Samuel was a part of this, and then, of course, Samuel then dies, and he was buried in his hometown of Ramah. So he, he really was a circuit-riding uh, not not a uh, preacher, and in a sense he did preach, but he was more or less a circuit-riding prophet, and that just gives you an idea of the area that he spent most of his life in, and I wanted to share that with you. You can look that up. You may have uh, in the back of your Bible some of those uh, maps and charts back there you can refer to also. Now, I gave you, I think the last page that you have is this chart. If you notice at the top, the main characters were really three main characters. You have Samuel, of course, you have Saul and you have David. Now, uh, again, we could highlight the ministry of Eli, which is how the book begins. Eli and then Samuel, and of course, and we see Saul and his life giving way to the life of David. Mentioned that last week in the book of Ruth, how we see again uh, all of the lineage of uh, the, the uh, life of, of David starting to come into view. And then notice the priest here, of course, Eli at the beginning. We'll talk about him a little bit. And then the, the uh, prophet Samuel then takes over, and we see Saul's life, and then we see the overlapping of David's life with the life of Saul. And of course, you remember as you read your Bible, there were many times that Saul was jealous of David. Uh, Saul tried to take David's life a couple times. Appreciate the spirit of David. Even though he was being wronged, he had the right spirit, the right attitude. None of us are perfect, but I, I always like to see the character and the qualities, and I try to take the good and leave the bad. And I hope that you study the Word of God and you see the mistakes that some made, and you learn from them, and then you learn from the good things that people do. And we see this certainly coming into the first book of Samuel. Now, in your notes, it says, as far as the contents, the book is a history with a personal attraction of biography added, and of course, dealing with Samuel's life. Three aspects, notice the birth of Samuel and his education. Uh, of course, at that time, Eli was the one in office. He succeeds him, and notice uh, in the government of Eli and then the resignation of it, 
to Saul when he was chosen king. Samuel, as you study this book, is seen as a patriot. He's seen as a judge in his day, but the difference was he was seen as a patriot and judge with a lowly and consecrated heart. He was a man that was obedient to the Lord. He obediently served God. And what a great spirit that he had towards ministry and ministering for the Lord. Number two, notice another thing the book contains is the anointing of Saul as king and, of course, the administration of his office, both before and after his death. When you study, of course, this book and other places, Saul is seen at the title of the book as the people's king. Now remember, God only ever wanted to be their God, and yet the people just continued to say, we want, we want. And you think about this day that we live in, you study those seven churches in the book of Revelation, the Laodicean church, the people's rights, the people's rule. Uh, many believe that that's the, the time frame we're currently in right now, and I tend to believe and agree with that, and that's what we see here in the book of 1 Samuel, that Saul was the people's king. And the reason I say that is because when you study his life, here's what you find is, unlike Samuel, who was humble and obedient, Saul was a man that was selfish, he was wayward and jealous, he was jealous to a fault, he was unfaithful in his allegiance to God. He was almost just the opposite of what Samuel was, and we see Saul's anointing part of this book. And then notice number three, coming into view, the account of David. And of course, quite different from that of Saul. David was seen as God's king. The Bible says not only in the Old Testament, but the New Testament, he was a man after God's own heart. And David was truly a man of prayer. And he was a man that praised God. He was tested uh, in his life. David was a disciplined man. He was a persecuted man. And, of course, eventually David was crowned king of all Israel. Think about this. David was anointed. Remember, we just looked at that. He was anointed king while Saul was still around. And yet he waited on God's timing. And he allowed God to work through that situation with Saul. And so as we look at the contents, we move on in our outlines tonight. Samuel, the book, again, making reference to even both of the books, is a transition book. And Samuel himself, as the prophet, is a transition man. Now we see even in the New Testament, there are, for instance, the book of Acts is a transitional book. So here in the Old Testament, the book of Samuel, or First and Second Samuel, is transitional. Samuel being that prophet that God used to make that transition. The reason I say that is because it says here that in it, we see Israel passing from the government of God to a self-determined and self-demanded government. Uh, they got away from what God wanted for them, and it was more what man wanted for themselves. Notice this statement, from the rule of God, the invisible king, to God wanting them to allow him to rule in their lives to where they made themselves just like every other nation. They went from that the rule of the invisible king to the rule of man. And notice a visible king. Uh, Saul let them down in so many ways, and they would be just like the other nations. Now, they would go, the statement here from a theocracy, the rule of God, 
they pass to a monarchy. And again, this is a rule of man instead of rule of God. Samuel sees the commencement or the beginning of a line of kings which had varied influences for good and evil in Israel. See, that's the thing about it. And look, I'm not here to talk politics tonight, but I think you've lived long enough to understand that no matter who's in office, everyone has a different agenda. The same is true with the kings in the Bible. Each one of them had their own soapbox, their own likes, their own things that they wanted to do as a king and for the people, and most of the time it was for themselves instead of for the people. So as we look at Samuel, he sees himself as the commencement of a line of kings, and notice is himself the commencement of a line of prophets, which for centuries corrected and constrained the lives of kings and priests and the people. Uh, they were the ones that stood between the people and God. They had to deal with some unfortunate situations. Many times they had to deal with those in power and they paid a sacrifice. They paid a high price many times because they were speaking for God. God was trying to use them to help the people to stay right, but many times they were bent on doing what they want. We see this correction and this commencement in the New Testament in Acts 3.24. Notice these words, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, notice the commencement with Samuel, and as many have spoken have likewise foretold of those days or these days. So again, it begins with Samuel, and then we see a line of prophets after him. The book is, in character, in this section, a historical account, all right? Keep that in mind as we go through this section. The, su the subject of the book of 1 Samuel is God's dealings with Israel through Samuel as a prophet, priest, and judge. And through Saul and David, both as kings, and he was working through Samuel and Saul and David to bless and to make Israel a blessing. This is what God does. Notice the Bible says, and we see this all the way back in the first book in the Old Testament, Genesis 22, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of the uh, sand which uh, is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And God is wanting to use Israel, his people, in the lives, even in the lives of their enemies. And so we see the subject, God's dealings with Israel, and he does this through individuals. And we find this in the book of 1 Samuel. Now the purpose of the book is to show how God would bring us into the enjoyment of our blessing in him. Well, how does he do that? Through Christ. And unlike Samuel, who was prophet, priest, and judge, the Bible shows us that Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. And he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And we thank God for Jesus' involvement and his influence in our lives. I love the book of Hebrews and the New Testament. Notice the first three verses of the book. And notice the wording here, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. But notice, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, 
whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And of course, God is using his son in our lives, we who are saved and that are in Christ, God is doing a work in our lives. God is allowing His Son to help us to be more like Him. And I appreciate the influence of the Lord in my life, and I'm sure you do too. Well, listen, in back in this book, in this time of Samuel, God was using Samuel in much the same way in the lives of the people of Israel. Now, we see the outline there, three simple sections. And notice each section dealing with an individual begins with the administration of Eli. And right away, the book starts out with the birth of Samuel. We see God calling Samuel, and then we see the death of Eli. And then the second section deals with the administration of Samuel, who became the prophet judge. And of course, uh, we find here that the ark was taken, of course, to the Philistines, and uh, there was a time of reformation, worship. And then we see that Saul then, God gives them what they asked for. He is anointed king. And then Samuel then, uh, his resignation of supreme judicial power because there's now a king that has been installed. And then the third section deals with the administration of this new king, Saul, who was the man-made king. And in this third section, we see Saul's sin. Notice his sin against Israel. His sin, look at all these chapters, 16 to 27. All of his sin, all that he did to David, against David. And then notice how the book ends, how his sin even against himself. And in the end of the book, we find that he goes to the witch at Endor. We find his dealings with the Philistines and, of course, David. Uh, his dealings with the Amalekites and David. And then, of course, in the end, uh, the suicide in his own life. And it's really a sad ending for Saul, but we find that this is what God includes in 1 Samuel. The scope of the book, it covers a period of about 115 years from the birth of Samuel to the last of the judges to the death of Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Uh, the writer was probably Samuel. Many believe it was Samuel through chapter 24. Beyond chapter 24, a lot of people believe the rest might have been written by Nathan the prophet and by Gad. Uh, we get that from 1 Chronicles 29, 29, the Acts of David the King. First and last, behold, they are written in the book of Samuel the seer. Uh, another word for prophet is the word seer, and the Bible even mentions that. And notice, in, and in the book of Nathan the prophet and in the book of Gad the seer. So again, many believe that those latter chapters may have been written by Nathan and Gad. Now, when was it written? About 1070. Again, these are just approximate dates, but uh, fairly in that time frame, somewhere in Palestine, somewhere in the land of Israel. The key chapter is chapter number 8, and of course, that's where they, they cry out, they demand that God would give them a king. And notice the key verse, chapter 10. Verse 25, Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom, and he wrote it in a book, and he laid it up before the Lord, and Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Hey, listen, this was the day before all these publishing houses. 
uh, when not everybody had their own printed copy of the Word of God. And uh, again, just to have a portion of the Word of God was a real treasure. We're a blessed people. Many of us have many Bibles. And the Bible says here that he wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. The key words, probably the most uh, important word you find in the book is king, but you also see the, the words kingdom and the word prayed quite a few times in the book. The phrase that is the key is speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And that's, that's what we still need to say to the Lord is, God, I'm listening to what you have to say to me. Now, Saul got to the place where he wasn't listening to God. And folks, listen, you and I need to make sure that we're always listening for that still small voice, what the Lord is saying to us, what God wants us to do. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And notice 1 Samuel 3, 9, Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The key thought is the organization of the kingdom. And we saw that just a minute ago in chapter 10 and verse number 25. And the spiritual thought, there's really a couple that uh, I came across felt interesting in this book. Notice the first spiritual thought is this, the Lord killeth and maketh alive. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. In 1 Samuel 2, look at verse 6, the Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. Now, what's interesting, when you look in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 11, the Bible says there, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be what? Dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> Listen, you and I who were dead in our trespasses and sins, have been made alive in Christ Jesus. And so the Lord, notice, killeth and the Lord maketh alive. Another spiritual thought, listen to this one, he bringeth low and lifteth up. God bringeth us low and lifteth us, lifteth us up. 1 Samuel 2, 7, the Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and he lifteth up. Notice Luke 14, 11, Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself or brings himself low shall be exalted. Do you know God's way up is down? God is looking for someone that would humble themselves in the sight of God. He's looking for a humble and contrite heart. And we see a second spiritual thought, he bringeth low and he lifteth up. Notice this third one is that God wanted them to keep the lamp of God burning brightly. Remember that was one of the responsibilities that Samuel found at a very young age was that the light in the temple would not go out. Now think about this, uh, when we got saved, of course, the Holy Spirit of God became a part of our lives. And, and we think about the light that we have. Remember that song that children sing, this little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes, right? Some of you don't know that song. Maybe I should have Brother Tim come and sing that for you. But listen, we need to hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, right? And, and the Bible says that we need to make sure that our light, and you think about this, who is our light? Jesus. 
He's the light of the world. And so as we think about this matter of keeping the lamp of God burning brightly, notice 1 Samuel 3, 3, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Now we know these verses, look at them in Matthew 5, ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it, your life, notice here, giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. What a great spiritual thought when you think about what God wants. Listen, don't let anything or anyone extinguish in your heart what God has already done. No one can steal and take your joy that you have. And make sure you keep that burning brightly in your life. And there's some wonderful spiritual thoughts in the book of Samuel. Many others, but those are some that stood out to me. Some things I found unique about the book is prayer dominated Samuel's life. Prayer. And this, again, is something that challenged me, how prayer dominated his life. Look at some areas here. and I gave you the scriptures if you want to look them up. But he was a man that was born in answer to prayer. His mom poured out her heart. And I remember when my wife and I prayed, if God would give us children. And so we find that this son, this prophet-to-be, was an answer to God, to prayer to God. Notice his name means asked of God. Again, all dealing with prayer. His prayer brought deliverance at Mizpah. He prayed in chapter 8 when Israel asked for a king. He prayed and asked God about this situation. And in chapter 12, we see that for his people, his prayer was an unceasing prayer. He never stopped praying. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. And so prayer dominated Samuel's life. Now, if you take that's Samuel's life, but you remember who his predecessor was? Eli. And immediately when you start to study this book, you come across Eli, and here's what you find is parental delinquency always leads to juvenile delinquency. This is still true today. When parents abdicate their responsibility, they ignore their children, a child left to himself will bring shame to his parents. And you know, listen, this... This whole matter of Eli's sons and what they were doing, the Bible clearly indicates he knew what they were doing, but yet he chose to do nothing. Matter of fact, not only did Eli know, but everyone knew what his sons were doing. His sons consisted in their negligence to chastise, or excuse me, Eli's sin. It was he neg- he was negligent to chastise his sons for profaning themselves and for profaning God's work. The Bible says in Proverbs 5.23, he shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Listen to this, Proverbs 13.16, every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. 2 Timothy 3, verse 8, two individuals here, Janus and Jambres, withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of 
corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith, but they, have, they, they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. What an example, a pathetic example of those that are left to themselves and how they're profaning the work of God. And then Hebrews 12, the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Look, I, I don't know how you were growing up. Maybe you were a better son to your father than I was. But I know this, my father dealt with me. And I realized as I got older that my dad dealt with me. Why? Because he loved me and he was not going to let me sin and do the things that I was doing. And yet, what did Eli do? Eli did nothing when it came to his sons. And he was delinquent, which led to his son's downfall. And so you see, again, some things that are unique to the book. In the book, of course, we've been highlighting how Christ has been magnified in these books. And the first thing I see is he's magnified as the seed of David. And, of course, we find that as you study on from the lineage of David, you find, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And so... Again, we find him magnified as the seed of David, and he's also magnified as the suffering one. And we see this evidence even in David's own life and the suffering that David went through. There are so many things that we could have mentioned here. And, of course, many of you have gone through some trials in your life. But the Bible says in chapter 22, Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life, but with me thou shalt be in safeguard. So we find here, again, people after him, the things that he suffered. Jesus, of course, told us, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you're going to live for the Lord, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Isaiah put it this way, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did a stream him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So again, notice again the suffering, and we see there again, if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. And David certainly was no stranger to suffering and we see then again Jesus being the suffering one and, of course, him being magnified even in 1 Samuel. Now, at the end of the book, as you, as you get close to the end of 1 Samuel, you find that Samuel has died and Saul, of course, was a man that was lost. Samuel, again, was that connecting link in the Bible. He connected the judges to what we call the kingdom. And I want to give you this little section because this is where we're going to actually launch into next week with 2 Samuel. And I want to call this little section the United Kingdom of Israel. The United Kingdom. Now remember, they had the, you had all the tribes of the nation of Israel. And again, what God wants is for his people to be one people. The devil is the one that sows discord among the brethren. 
And we find here that after the death of Joshua, the failure of the children of Israel to follow the Lord wholly gave occasion to the judges to deliver them from the hands of their oppressors. And that was after the death of Joshua. Now look ahead. After the period of the judges, Eli and Samuel were raised up as leaders, the leaders that God had for that time for the nation of Israel. It was under Samuel's leadership that Israel, growing tired of a theocratic form of government, they requested a monarchy, and again, they demanded a king to be like all the other nations. Now, in spite of the plea to the contrary, God granted their request. Now, I don't know if I included this. If I didn't, you can turn with me to Romans chapter number one. But what came to my mind is the time that we're living in, the world that we're living in today. And listen, God still wants to be God in our lives. There should be no other gods before me. We live in a land and we understand that there is government. God's the one who has established government for the order in society. But God still wants to be number one in our lives. Notice what the Bible says as we think about uh, with the plea of the nation of Israel, God granting their request. Look at verse 19 of Romans 1. The Bible says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without what? Excuse. So many people have every excuse under the sun. Pretend and act like there's no God. And listen, they're fools for denying that there is a God because the Bible says that the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead. Look at verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Look, folks, I don't have time tonight to go back and to rehearse all that God did for Israel, all the ways that he blessed them, how he led them out, how he provided for them in the wilderness, he has always been there for them. And yet the Bible says that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Look at verse 24. Wherefore. Now the wherefore is there because of what God has just said. How that they would not glorify him. They were not thankful for him. They were vain in their imaginations. Their heart became darkened because of sin. They professed that they were wise in what they were doing, but they really were fools. 
And the Bible says God also gave them up. He gave them what they wanted. God will only contend with man for so long. Aren't you glad for the long-suffering of God? How many times we put God to the test? And the Bible says God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You think about, listen to me, you think about what those individuals that are in power today, the Bible says God created man, formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he took the rib and from that he formed the woman, he brought the woman unto the man. Nowadays you have to be careful about pronouns that you use. Man has become darkened in their imaginations. They are rewriting what God has ordained. And the Bible says here, they've changed the truth of God into a lie. And the Bible says they're worshiping and serving the creature. See, the world today is just like it was in Samuel's day. We might not be crying out, Give us a king. But what we want is what we want instead of what God wants. This is what Samuel dealt with in his day. Notice here the period that I call and the Bible refers to as the United Kingdom of Israel. It was a period of 120 years. Israel's declension, its downward spiral in regards to other nations. In other words, when you look at the other nations and you look at Israel during this time, notice three things about her. First of all, you see it as she begins to decline in the fact that she was afraid of other nations. Remember what God said? I'll be with you. You have no one to fear. He says, your enemies will fall before you. But what do you see? Israel being afraid of other nations. Notice, secondly, and this is a big one, you see it in her mixing with other nations. Remember how God says, listen, you shall be my people. Even in the New Testament, what do you see? Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Do you know that's one of the fundamentals of our belief is that, listen, yes, we need to reach the lost and we need to try to show them the love of God. But God says, listen, I want you to understand you're a peculiar people to me. You're a treasure in my eye. And what do we see Israel doing? Instead of separating, we see them mixing with other nations. And notice the third thing we see is in her imitating other nations after they begin to settle in the land of Canaan. Instead of being a distinctive people of God, they begin to take on some of, the, some of the very rituals, some of the very sinful nature of those other nations. They want it to be just like. Folks, can I say to you that if the church 
looks like, sounds like, and acts like the world, there's no distinction, no difference between us. And understand, we're not any better than the world. The only thing that is good in our lives is the grace of God. But we need to understand that God wants us to not chase after the things of this world. God wants us to become more like His dear Son so that we can live a life that's pleasing to Him. And clearly, when you come to the end of 1 Samuel and these two that join together to really form one book in the Hebrew Bible, you can clearly see why 1 Samuel is the book of the people's king. Now, when we get to 2 Samuel, that's the book of God's king. But we find that it's quite different in 1 Samuel. Next Sunday, we'll move into that 2 Samuel book. There's about 20, I think there's 24 chapters in 2 Samuel. So if you want to read through it before next Sunday night, uh, you'll need a little bit more than three chapters a day to be able to get all the way through that. But listen, I'll tell you what. Uh, I look at this and I think about America today. I think about where we are as a nation and as a people. And I'll tell you what, we need to get back to God. We need to turn our hearts back to the Lord and ask God to do a work that only God can do. And let's make sure, look here, I can't control others and you can't either. But let's make sure that we, you and I, that we're right with God and that He is first place in our lives. Let's stand tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, thank you again for this evening. Thank you for the, the, the treasure of the Word of God. Thank you for the ministry that you gave to Samuel and those that came after him. Lord, we know that Saul was a man like so many that lived after the flesh. Lord, that had many uh, desires that were not yours, and we're thankful, God, that you allowed David to step into his position. Thank you for the lessons that we have learned, we'll learn next week. And Lord, I pray that you help us to be a people that are in one accord, that love you, and that want what you want instead of what this world wants. Be with us this week as we go out into this world that is darkened by sin Lord, again, we are not uh, considering ourselves any better, but we know that it's because of the grace of God that we are saved, and may we share that truth and that hope with those we come into contact with. Thank you again for our study tonight, for this book that you've given to us that we can learn so many wonderful things from. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.